0: Turn with me to Mark chapter 10, please, verses 2 through 12. Mark chapter 10, verses 2 through 12. And Mark, he writes, and the Pharisees came up in order to test him, asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, what did Moses command you? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Remember these words. In the name of God, I, David Spencer, take you, Dolores Spencer, to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse. For richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and cherish until we are parted by death, this is my solemn vow. I am sure most of us in here have heard these words and even repeated them a time or two. During a wedding ceremony, most people who have repeated those words in the wedding ceremony, they did so out of the deepest desire to be connected and committed to that other person. Would you not agree? That the vast majority of people, uh, that uh, they want to be connected and deeply committed to that other person for the rest of their lives. But brothers and sisters, I have also witnessed the fact that there have been some that have uttered those words and and didn't mean one word of it. Thank God I was not officiating those weddings But why go through it if you don't mean it? Why spend all your money on a wedding dress? Spend all your money renting out a hall and on flowers and on all the swag that you get during a wedding? Why go through the heartache and the pressure and the stress of a wedding if marriage doesn't mean a thing to you? Yet year after year, month after month, people recite those same words without much thought to the institution of marriage. And then what about the part that says, uh, until we are parted by death or death do us part? Do people really mean that when they say that? Well, I want to be a witness to you that some folks that they really don't mean that. They don't take that to be true. Well, I'm not sure if you have ever considered divorce or if you have actually gone through a divorce. Either way, divorce is something no one really expects. No one really wants to be a part of a divorce. Most people that I know, at least when they first start out. Now, later on, that's a different story, right? You, you, you start at, uh, at the starting gate, and you say, we will never get a divorce until a year or two years or three years or four years down the line. Then it starts to change because you start to say to yourself, uh, I don't know if I can handle this. You start to think to yourself that, is there a way out? But have you ever thought about what the Lord thought about divorce? In fact, do you even care what God thinks about someone divorcing? For Some people, there has been this lingering doubt that can be crushing as you attempt to move forward After having a divorce, and it seems like as much as even if you were not at fault, it seems like this thing is thrown in your face. And you thought that once and for all uh, that you would cut this thing off and you'll be free. But somehow the idea of you being part of a divorce continues to shackle you. That feeling of guilt or even shame has enveloped you because you may not have felt as if you were good enough. You may not have felt as if you were the right person, that something is wrong with you. Well, I want you to know that the message today, it will provide freedom for some. Say amen. But at the same time, I know If I think I know God's word, it would also bring conviction to others. But whatever you need today to protect a future marriage, so you might be thinking about getting married one day, amen, and that's okay. But you may also be thinking about whether or not if you need to repent from a previous action. Or maybe today that You will hear this word and you will celebrate because the Holy Spirit reminds you that you have been set free. Regardless of your considerations, today you must take a position. And taking that position starts with knowing the heart of God concerning divorce. Number one, as we look here in the passage here in Mark chapter 10, verse 2, says, and the Pharisees came up in order to test him, asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? So understand that the issue of divorce, it it only came up in the gospel because uh, the enemies of Jesus, that they wanted to trap him. Did you hear what I said. So the issue of divorce, it, it only came up because the enemies of Jesus only wanted to entrap Him. So understand that the issue was not that they wanted clarity concerning divorce, but they wanted to trap Jesus and, and they, want to, they wanted to label him a fraud. So as we continue to grow in our faith and maturity, we must all understand, things are not always what they seem. That on the one hand, a person may ask you one particular question, but behind that question, there's other things that go, that's going on. Well, it'll be nice to think that people who ask you questions, that they only have nice intentions. Amen? But that's not always the case. And this is why we must ask God for the ability to discern, even when we're in conversation with people. Amen? Because people are very conniving. You know that, right? Uh, We know people can be very manipulative. They ask one question, but behind that question is something else because ultimately they're trying to do to you what they did to Jesus, and that is trying to entrap you. Only God can allow you to see what's there. And it starts with with a relationship with Jesus Christ. So in this passage, uh, the Pharisees have now ratcheted up their efforts to unveil Jesus as a fraud, and they do it by testing him with an interpretation of the law, which could pit him, that is Jesus, against Moses or against the Jewish population. So they wanted Jesus to answer in a certain way that automatically causes conflict between him and what they thought the Word of God says, or him and what the people thought. As a matter of fact, there were two major lines of thinking during this time concerning divorce. Uh, the one school of thought was called the Shemai school. And this Jewish thought says that a woman could only be divorced, only, or man, uh, they can only be divorced only if there was a sexual infidelity of some kind or another. So that was the one. Uh, the second was the Hillel. This school of thought basically said that, uh, listen here, dude, if you've been at home working all day long, you work for eight hours, ten hours, and you get home, and your wife cooked a dinner, and all she did was, you know, take some hamburger helper out of the cabinet, and get some meat and stir it together and not even let it cook all the day, all the way, and you end up eating that and you spit it out. Uh, The school of Hillel says you can divorce her because she doesn't even care enough to cook for us. So the school of thought of Hillel says you can divorce that woman. So for the smallest infraction says you can let her go. So the Pharisees were trying to get Jesus caught up in a dispute between these different schools of interpretation for which they knew that even the Jews, the general population, also believed in one side or another. And so it was very important for Jesus to answer carefully because if he doesn't, you can imagine what will happen, that he will inflame the other side. And they were trying to pit everybody against Jesus. So they wanted Jesus Ultimately, to be done away with, to be stripped of any support he would have gained during his ministry. But as Jesus shows us, there's always a safe place to go when we can't figure it all out. And Jesus knows this, and we know it. And here it is. Look to God's word for guidance, even concerning divorce. Amen? Look to God's word for guidance even concerning divorce. Here in verses 3 and 4 of Mark 10, Jesus answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. So Jesus instructs them to first do what? Consider the word of God. In other words, he says, Uh, don't look to your feelings first. He says, first, if there's a problem going on in your house, uh, the first thing that we need to do is what? Look to what? Come on. Look to the Word of God. You you see, uh, one of the problems that we oftentimes have in marriages and most of our other relationships, that when there's a problem, when it comes up, that the first thing that we look at is our own flesh. We're looking at how I feel right now and how angry I am, and how I want to kill this other person, because if I kill them, then they die. Therefore, I don't have to get a divorce. So Jesus asked them, what did Moses command? In other words, he's asking, what did God command? This was an important move because the Jews, they highly esteemed Moses, as we know. He was revered because he led the Jews out of slavery from Egypt and into the promised land. In addition, Moses was the one who handed the law to them from the Lord from Mount Sinai. Jesus, however, as we know, is far above all people and all things, including Moses, right? Uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews 3, 5 and 6 Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. As uh, Brother Parker uh, told us on Wednesday night, he says that, uh, you see, remember that? Moses took orders. Trying to figure it all out, right, Mr. Parker? Moses took orders. But Jesus, he did what? Gave orders. And that's the distinction between Moses and Jesus. So in order for them to reply with the words of Moses, uh, that these Pharisees, they had to refer back to the law, to get this understanding. And their reply was, was Moses allowed a man to divorce his wife and send her away. Notice that the Pharisees make no mention of reasoning behind the action of divorcing the wife. There is no mention even in, in this passage anyway of the wife wanting to divorce her husband. Sometimes I think having... Having years gone past, sometimes I think now that many women want to divorce their wives more than men want to divorce... uh, Many women want to divorce their husbands as husbands want to divorce their wives. See, the man, he could do it, but the lady, she was simply out of luck and had to wait for him to die or abandon her. So divorce is a practice not because of God but because of the condition of our hearts. Verse 10 says, And Jesus said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this commandment. So Jesus uh, uh, tells them the reason Moses allowed divorce in the first place was because of the condition of their heart. That's the reason why it has to do with how your heart is. That's what's going on. So now we must go back and take a look at what it says in the law. So please turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 24. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through 4. and I'm reading now Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 through 4. When a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, and she departs out of his house. And if she goes and becomes another man's wife, And the latter man hates her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house. Or if the latter man dies who took her to be his wife, then the former husband who sent her away may not take her again to be his wife after she has been defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord. And you shall not bring sin upon the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance what exactly is this some indecency that he speaks of in that first verse that we read? Well, if you translate that Hebrew word indecency, that it comes out to be some kind of nakedness. As a matter of fact, it's oftentimes used to describe some type of private body part. So this indecency doesn't seem to refer to adultery, though. Isn't that interesting? So if they use the word to describe some type of nakedness, but it's not Used to refer to adultery? Why is that? Doesn't make sense. Come on now, w- w- would you help me understand that, right? If the word some indecency has some connection with some kind of nakedness, so to speak, then what's going on? How, how come it's not talking about adultery? It's very easy. We know it's not referring to adultery. Because the punishment for adultery is death. The punishment in the law for adultery is death. Okay, all right, you don't believe me? All right, Deuteronomy chapter 22, 22. 22, 22. Deuteronomy 22, verse 22. Here it is. If man is found lying with the wife of another man. Both of them, come on, what does it say? Shall do what? The man who lay with the woman and the woman, so you shall purge the evil from Israel. And then let's turn over to John chapter 8, verse 3, beginning there. John chapter 8, verse 3. John chapter 8, verse 3. We're going to read uh, three verses. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. So what do you say? So in other words, remember that was a time that they all picked up stones? You remember that story? And they're ready to just knock her lights out with those rocks because she had committed adultery. And they're like, Jesus, so what do you say we should do? So if adultery was or was not the issue, right, in our passage here in Mark, it brings up the point as to whether or not a person was allowed to have grace on another. You know what I mean by grace or even mercy upon another person? Uh, that I'm not gonna give you what you really deserved in the first place. Uh, the answer to the Pharisees in Mark and Matthew elicits the same response from Jesus again, Mark 10:5. Uh, because of what? The hardness of hearts that he wrote these in the first place. So, in other words, it would have never happened if it had not been for the hardness of the hearts. So it was because of a hard heart that divorce was allowed. A hardened heart is a sign that a person has firmly decided to do what? Not obey God. I'll say it again. A hardened heart is a sure sign that a person has decided that they will not obey God. This is what happened to Pharaoh Remember when he refused to obey obey Moses as he gave him the word of the Lord? Uh, Moses told him, look, uh, you need to do this. But it says that, the, the scripture says that Pharaoh's heart was hardened so he didn't do it. So when we don't do what God tells us to do and we know it to be the right thing to do, then our hearts are hardened. Pharaoh would prefer to have hundreds or even thousands of people killed instead of doing what the Lord wants. Do you believe that in marriage today? Do you believe that some people would rather see, uh, see this person down and out versus obeying God? Do you believe that's true in marriage sometimes? Do you believe that the heart is so hard, the heart is so callous that they don't care about the, And they probably even say, as a matter of fact, that I don't even care if that person dies. They can die as far as I'm concerned. The heart is so deceitful. The heart can be wicked. But how could a hardened heart play out in terms of a divorce? Whatever is in the heart or mind of a person that has made them so bitter that they refuse to be reconciled and refuse to be kind, which may result in pure hatred for this other person. And with that hatred, uh, it plays out in cruel treatment of a spouse. It plays out in the emotional abandonment of that spouse. Well, it could also play out in terms of a husband or wife no longer desiring that other person to the degree that they would rather again see them dead instead of being with them. Then a hardened heart is indicative of a person who is in rebellion before god i'll say it again a hardened heart is indicative of a person who is in rebellion towards god and here it is this is what you've been waiting for you might want to write this down get your pens and paper ready right or your tablets whatever you are doing with your thumbs as long as you're not on facebook right all right here it is you've been waiting on this right here here it is here's the revelation right the revelation is this Sin is at the root of divorce. Sin is at the root of divorce. So when you see divorce, you start moving back the covers and you will find sin. I'll say it again. When someone has been divorced, or looking for a divorce, you start pulling back the covers, and I guarantee you, what did I say? Guarantee you will find sin. Mark 10, verse 6. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Right? Whatever God puts together, let not man separate. Or woman separate. Now I know that in some of your minds you may be thinking, that I may have been the one to start the divorce proceedings. But if you start the divorce proceedings, the question is, why did you begin the divorce proceedings? Was it because you were in sin? Or was it because that person was in sin? So the concern is not Who has been wronged? The concern here that Jesus has basically is who has sinned? If a marriage has not begun or sustained with the Lord, then it will perish without him. Jesus, again, he says, what did Moses command you? And we know that if everyone obeyed and followed the Lord, then divorce would have never entered into the equation to begin with. Why? Because we would understand the depth and the influence of marriage and the love that was there. So even if my wife uh, does cook me hamburger helper that's halfway done, that one thing that I want to know is, baby, what's wrong? I don't want to say, you know what, I'm so sick of this same old stuff that I don't know what to do that I'm getting rid of you. And you know some folks do that, right? I'm so sick of this same old stuff that I want you gone. Divorce is an outcropping of sin. And we know that sin is a spiritual problem. Therefore, Jesus, he reminds us uh, that a man and a woman, uh, that they shall leave their father and mother, and they shall uh, become uh, one flesh, that they shall be fused together. What therefore God has joined together, let no man, let no woman separate. So I don't care how much you don't like the way they do this, that, and the other. The question is, are they in sin? Right, so if, if I keep saying I want you to know, I'm saying hamburger helper, but that was not an issue in our house. So let me get that out the way. All right, I figure if I use something generic enough, that I'll stay off everybody's case, including mine. Right, right. So, so, uh, all right. I hear you, Sister Charlotte. So, uh, so, so. In any case, uh, the, the bottom line is that uh, if it's not right, then the question should be asked: What's going on? Maybe you ask the question. Well, maybe we need to send you to cooking school, baby. But I know what you're saying, guys. Like, man, if I told my wife that, man, uh, she going to kick me out of that house. But communicate, right? Communicate. So this tells us that the length of marriage is for how long? It was for a lifetime. And nothing or no one could separate it once the couple were fused together. Uh, But again, we must look at it historically, right? Look at marriage historically and see what God meant. And we understand that before the fall, it was impossible for a husband and a wife to be split for any reason. Why? Because before the fall, there was no jealousy. There was no faithlessness, no suspicion, no lies, no threats or abuse to taint that relationship. There's also, there was no other, there was no other woman there for Adam, and neither was there another man for Eve, so they didn't have to worry about unfaithfulness but even if that's not, people don't always get divorced because of another man or woman. You realize that, right? It is because some folks say that is the most hateful man I've ever known in my life, and I just want to get from him. And even Proverbs says that a contentious woman is like a continuous dripping of water or rain from the roof. See, there's something else that's there. But Adam and Eve, they experience wholeness. There was never so much work to do that they became ships passing in the night. But now, after the fall, the slightest thing causes a crack in the relationship. The slightest thing. Well, if you guys are okay, then it could be the way she cooks, right? Or it could be the way that he works or don't work. Or it could be the children, right? Or it could be the in-laws. It could be where you live. It could be your husband's or wife's best friend. You see, all these things, they come into play after the fall that causes a crack in the relationship. But I want you to know that today there's a new rabbi on the scene. There's a new rabbi on the scene today, and that rabbi is not Jesus. That rabbi today is rabbi internet. That is that access point to an alternative way of life This way of life includes learning. You don't need the word of God to teach you, but instead you need programming which opens up your world to the cornucopia of choice. Have you ever considered the whole idea of programming? Have you ever thought about that? Television, programming, or cable, programming? No, I'm not just talking about just the individual programs that come on and when they come on. I'm talking about programming as a whole. You see, the rabbi of the 21st century is in the business of not teaching, but programming. What does programming accomplish? Well, think for a moment how computers are programmed. Would you do that? Here's a definition. To insert or encode specific operating instructions into a machine or apparatus. There's another definition. To set regulate, or modify so as to produce a specific response or reaction. You see, this 21st century rabbi wants you to receive the instructions from the world without you critically weighing them against your choice of the truth of God's word. If all you have ever been taught has been lies, then all you will ever know are lies. And then when you hear the truth, the first thing that come out of your mouth is, it is a lie. The lie that has entered our thoughts about marriage is that it's good unless you get tied to that other person. One important thing to note in Scripture is where the divorce decree originated from. I find this pretty interesting. Uh, that you notice when we go back here to Mark chapter 10, verse 4, and it says here, They said, Moses allowed, uh, look at the passage, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. You get that? In other words, in other words, guy, if you're at work and you decide you want to divorce your wife, just go ahead and write something down on a piece of paper, and then just when you see it, just throw it in her face and say, it's over. So the man had full control over that situation. In this case, uh, we must understand that there were no judges, as we know. There were no attorneys, no courts, and no arbitration. For all practical purposes, the husband could have simply written a decree and thrown it in her face and said, You have been served. Now get out of my face. And that would have been it. So in this passage, we see that the man pulled the full weight of divorce on his own shoulders in terms of making the decision for it. Okay, so we get that. So divorce is a problem concerning sin. So somebody in a relationship is sinning. We get that, amen? Somebody is sinning. It may not have been you. It could have been another person. Well, it could have been you and not the other person. So if divorce is a spiritual problem then the solution to the threat of divorce is what kind of answer? Okay, let's try it again, all right? Thank you, brother. I hear you back there, and I raise you one, all right? If divorce is a spiritual problem, then the solution to the spiritual problem of divorce is what kind of answer? A? It's a spiritual answer. This means that spiritual disciplines must be put into place which invites the lord to bind that which feels like is coming undone so if you know that uh you feel like you're on the precipice of divorce right now ask yourself the question are you praying for yourself are you reading scripture for yourself are you praying with your spouse are you reading scripture with your your spouse are you guys attending church together or is always one person right these are all problems something is going on However, know that uh, there may be issues in marriage that may need medical intervention to help a person out of an addiction, which has opened the door for abuse. So you may decide, you know what, their real problem is that something medically is going on with them, so we need to seek a doctor. But other times, forgiveness may be necessary in order to halt the divorce in in its tracks. Someone may have to forgive And forgiveness is hard sometimes, isn't it? Now, I know there are so many different possibilities to this that I dare not attempt to address them all, but know that each case may deserve an individualized treatment. So I may not necessarily have talked about your situation. That's because each situation has a shade of difference, and it has to be approached differently. This means that for one couple, repentance and forgiveness will be all that it needs to heal a marriage. In another case, it may be necessary to divorce because of the extent of the emotional injury. But God can even fix that if both parties are willing to submit themselves to him. Amen? Uh, We know Malachi. Malachi says that that God hates divorce. God hates divorce. Divorce. It was never part of his plan. But then, okay, so let's look at it in terms of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33, right? And how the idea of marriage, it represents the relationship that Jesus Christ has between him and the church, right? So if you were to divorce, and marriage is this picture of this ever-loving union between Jesus Christ and the church, by divorcing, you are tearing up that testimony. Then what then should be the proper reason for divorce? Or you might be asking the question, have I divorced properly? Look at Matthew 19 and 9. Matthew 19 and 9, Jesus says, and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So adultery is the only reason Jesus mentions as being grounds for divorce, but let us consider this together. Remember that the issue concerning divorce, it has to do with sinfulness on part of the husband or the wife. We've already established that, Amen? amen? There are also situations which are extremely dangerous to a woman or a man who are married to an individual that threatens their life. Right? So if you are in a situation, brothers and sisters, where you got this fool, be he or she, a man or a woman, and they keep threatening to kill you, and they got a gun and they throwing knives at you and stuff like that, that might be someone you want to get a divorce from. Amen? I would tell you to run and run fast. At one time I had a, uh, I, I, I worked with a couple uh, a few years ago and uh, this particular couple they were having, you know, difficulties and uh, and then they were getting into fist fights. I said, "You know what? I said, y'all just I said you you all just need to separate before y'all kill each other." And would you believe they got mad at me? They got mad at me. I'm like, "Wait a minute. I'm just I said this to myself, but I knew it wasn't nothing but the devil." I said, "If you all are fighting, right? I'm not in your house. You told me that you guys are fist fight in your house. I'm telling you that you need to separate." Right, Unless you can come to a place of understanding where you guys start talking and stop fighting. So if you are in a situation where there is violence, I tell you to get out and get out quick. If you are in a situation where there's drugs involved and there's addictions that are there, I tell you, if you can't get that help for that other person or they're not willing to get that help, there's a situation that you may have to get out because that is causing danger to your own life. And Then there's a demeaning and devaluing form of either verbal or physical abuse. And all these things, guess what? They fall under the category of sin. They all are sin. But if you're talking about you just can't get along with that person, well, I just love them so much that I'm willing to be there and, 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 and all this other stuff. I'm saying that it looks like you need help. You may need the help. But the difficulty with divorce is that it also caused collateral damage. It causes collateral damage to all parties involved, especially when they're children. sometimes those children begin to think that uh, the reason that mom and dad got divorced was because of them. It was their fault. Uh, there is this emotional element which is destruction, which is, is, is uh, destructive, as it leaves one with the feeling of worthlessness and not, again, not being good enough. For the woman, this is more devastating because, especially if she has, been, has not been working, been in the house, because it causes shame and causes a negative economic impact on your family and can send you straight into poverty. So I'm not sure what your situation was or is. I, I, I don't know. You have to decide. At the end of the day, each person must decide the particulars of the situation to know the best course of action. For instance, you may be in a situation where you really love that person and you may need to get out for a period of time to make sure that they get help. I understand that. I understand that. If you you think that's the case, then God's blessing's on you and you be strong in the Lord and you do what God is calling you to do to help that relationship. Because at the end of the day, God does not want a divorce even in the case of adultery. Did you know that? Remember how how God called Israel that you're nothing but a whore? God called Israel this. God called Israel that you are in whoredom and you are unfaithful. But God never left them. And that's the predicament that we're in. What do we do? What do we do? Well, I don't know what you do. Maybe God is uh, convicting you. Maybe he is finally giving you a level of freedom that you need. You might uh, be that spouse that is able to forgive, and you should. And you may have a desire to mend that which has been broken. And if you're able to do that, praise the Lord. But this is... Marriage is a two-person relationship and both parties must be willing to do their part. Know that divorce is allowed through Scripture, but it is never encouraged. If you know the Scriptures, they can lead you to the right solution for the difficulty you are or may be experiencing. But know that God loves you He loves you all, and if you have a sense that you need to repent today, we're going to have an opportunity for you to do that. But all of us we want to thank God for his ability to strengthen us through his word. For some, like I'm thinking in the room today, you may even be newly married, and divorce is far from your mind. But when you consider this idea, this teaching on divorce and what is allowed, this is a way to help to divorce proof your marriage amen let's pray